All right, good evening. Good to see everybody here this evening. Thank you for coming out and, and being with us tonight as we uh, turn back to, if you've got your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And if you, this is the first time you've been with us, you've only missed about 10 chapters, so I'll be, I should be able to catch you up tonight. But Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and as we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, which is a, a strange book with a lot of strange sayings in it that not a lot of people study, but I think it's been incredibly valuable to me, and, and I, I call this my midlife crisis sermon series. <laughs> Um, and that, that's kind of where I went with it. I wanted to see what the meaning of life was, and that's why I went here, just kind of looking at, at being 40 years old and seeing what life is all about, uh, looking at where I've been and where I'm going. It was kind of a thing that I was studying, and, and I thought, I'm going to turn this into a, a study, and we'll do it in church. And I think the whole purpose of Ecclesiastes is to make, is meant to uh, change the way we look at life and, and to change uh, that we see the world differently after studying Ecclesiastes. And if you've been with us, I hope that's what we do, that we see it a little bit different than when we began. And as we come to the last two chapters of Ecclesiastes, I think that we not, we're not just to see it different, but we're to live it differently. And now Solomon's going to put in front of us his last words. And these are his last words. These are the last words that he would write. He's an, he's an old man, and he's going to let one thing ring in our ears here at the end. Again, he's an old man talking to young people, and these last words, and they're going to echo uh, in the last two chapters. And I want these things to echo in your ears. I want you to grab this. If, if I, I want to preach this sermon, I, I want people to, to hear this. I want you to, to, to share this sermon on Facebook. I want people to hear this because there's a lot of people li- uh, that's living life, but they're not truly living life. And, and, and Solomon would want to ring in our ears tonight, don't waste your life. Don't let this time that God has given you slip through your fingers. Do not waste the life that God has given you. So that, that's the title of the sermon tonight, and I hope we'll all take it to heart. That no matter how many days we have left, or years, or, or decades, I don't know how many, none of us do, that we would make it a, a, a resolution that we would not waste our lives. So let's stand together. I want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Uh, so we're going to look at tonight, don't waste your life. And I'm going to read, and this, this, this is classic Ecclesiastes. I mean, Isaiah asked me back there in the back, he said, Dad, what do you think about this sermon tonight? I said, there's all kinds of crazy Solomon going on here. And we're going to do our best to try to understand what Solomon and really what God is trying to teach us tonight. So let's look at this passage, starting in verse 1. It says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven. And also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it is, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether thou shalt prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years, and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, and all that cometh is vanity." It's a lot there. So let's pray together and we'll study this passage and hopefully learn how not to waste our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. I love uh, that we've had this chance to study Ecclesiastes, to open it up and to go verse by verse, 
through one of the most overlooked books in the entire Bible. And not many people even know that it's tucked away here in the Old Testament. But I believe as we've opened up the pages that we have learned a whole lot. And seeing life differently and living life differently. But God, especially tonight as Solomon comes to the end here, let this be on our minds. Don't waste our lives. Our life is a gift from you. And I pray that you'd help us, God, to not waste it, to not let it slip through our fingers. So teach us these things tonight and help us to live in a way that we would truly live life and life more abundant. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I got a quote that I want to start out with tonight, and I think it's a great quote. You want to write it down, you want to Facebook it, you want to tweet it, you want to, you want to put it on your fridge or put it on your mirror so you can see it every day. It's a quote by C.T. Studd, and in it he repeats over and over. It's a poem, really, and in that poem he repeats the same thing over and over and over. It's something that is on his mind, as I think this is on Solomon's mind, but the, these two little lines that he just, he just keeps on hammering in throughout the poem, and these lines are, only one life will soon be passed. And he keeps repeating that same thing over and over. Only one life and it'll soon be passed. Only one life and it will soon be passed. And he says he couldn't get it out of his mind. And that was one thing that just kept going over in his mind. Only one life. Yes, only one, he would say. A few brief years that are fleeting hours will be done. He repeats it over and over in this poem that he wrote. Only one life will soon be passed. And I think that's the reality that we all have to face. And what Solomon is trying to get us to face here in Ecclesiastes is that we all only truly have one life to live. We only got one time around in this world, only one opportunity, only one chance. God has ordained a certain amount of time for every single one of us to be born and then to die. He's given us an allotted amount of time and none of us know how many years or how many days or how many months that is. So we have a very short amount of time that God has given us to live so the question that we have to ask in that short little window and even if you live to be 80 it's a short little window uh, uh, Solomon would call it a a vapor that it's it's here today and it's it's gone tomorrow Solomon would say that even the longest life is like the the steam that comes up off a cup of coffee that it's there for just a second and and then it blows away and that's all of our lives it's a short window that we have to live so the question is How are we living it? How are we doing it? Are we wasting our lives? I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life. Here I am at 40. I said it was my midlife crisis sermon series. Have I wasted 40 years? And what will I do with the next 40 years if God gives them to me? And maybe you're even later in life and you you don't know how much longer you have. What are you going to do with the days that God gives you that you have left? What are you going to do with the weeks that God gives you? What are you going to do if if you have one day left? How would you live it? And and that's the question that he's trying to get us to to look at tonight. And he doesn't want us to waste it. I don't want to waste it. I don't want my my kids to waste it. i got Isaiah back there and i got Gracie sitting here. And they're at the very outset of their life. they got their whole life ahead of them. And what do they need to hear more than anything else? Don't waste the life that God has given you. They need to hear it. I need to hear this. You need to hear this. We all have days ahead and we don't need to waste those days. John Piper said this, Few things make me tremble more than the possibility of taking this one-time gift that God has given me and wasting it. That should be what makes us all tremble. That we would waste the life that God has given us 
So we want to get the most out of it. We, want to, we don't want to waste it. And I think that's exactly what Solomon is getting at here at the end of Ecclesiastes. I, I think he's telling us how to get the most out of life. He's telling us you don't want to waste it. And I, and I think that he thinks he's wasted his life. I think that here he is at the end of his life. He's got a gray beard. He's got gray hair. He's probably bent over from all the life that he's lived and all that he's enjoyed and all that he's done. And he's done everything under the sun. And I think he's at the end and he's saying, I've spent my life on a lot of silly things. I've done a lot of things I wish I hadn't have done. And now he's standing in front of young people and he's saying, don't do what I did. Don't waste your life. This is like a wise old man who loves you, telling you, don't waste your life. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. He's going to show us again, I I think we have three ways here to not waste your life. Or you could turn around in the positive and say three ways to get the most out of life. Solomon wants us to get the most out of life. I believe Jesus in the New Testament wanted us to get the most out of life. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to to truly live. There's a lot of people that live, but there's not a lot of people that, that truly live life. There's a lot of people out there that's wasting their life. And Solomon and God wants us to truly live. So I'm going to give you these three ways to not waste your life tonight. And it'll be as simple as, as any sermon I've ever preached. I'm almost embarrassed at how simple this is going to be. Three ways to not waste your life. Three ways. So starting with number one, and we'll see that in verses one and two. And these are things that I wish I had learned earlier on in life. But here I am now in the middle of my life, and I get to spend the rest of my life doing these things. Number one, share your life. Pretty easy. Look at verse 1 with me. I want to show you these two verses. And there's a lot of argument over what he means by this. I don't, I don't think it's that hard, really. He says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. So again, this is a, it's a kind of a strange verse, a, a curious verse. You would call it classic Solomon. He, he's making a statement here, and, and many people have been confused over what it means. I, I, I don't think it's that hard. He says here, and I'm just going to go down the, the, the words here, cast your bread upon the waters. And we know what bread is. Bread is something that you eat. And in that, in that day, if bread would have been... You're the breadwinner. You're, you're making the money. You're, you're going to work and you wasn't given money. You were given food for that day. So the bread that you get is what you made at work. So here's your bread. A, a loaf of bread or if you're real rich, you got a big loaf of bread. If you're poor, you get a piece of bread. And Solomon here says, take your bread, what you've earned, something of great value, something that's been given to you. And he says, cast it. Down in verse 2, he says, give it. Do you see that? Two words that are, that are describing to share. Take it and cast it. Take it and, and, and to give it. And, and when I see this picture of cast thy bread upon the waters, I, I think of my kids going over to the duck, duck pond over there and, and taking pieces of bread and, and casting it on the water. And you give them a piece of bread and, and they pass it around to, to Isaiah and to, and to Gracie and to, and to Christian. And, and Christian will wad his up and he'll throw it as far as he can get it. He's casting his bread. That's what this is a picture of. And some people would say, again, that this is Solomon. He had all kinds of ships and he would take his money and put it in ships and send it overseas. That's what Some people would say that's what he's doing with it. I don't think Solomon was feeding ducks, but he was taking the bread that he had and he was sharing it. Taking what he was given. Not the crumbs, 
but whole loaves and casting it out onto the water. I think he's saying here, be generous, to share what you have. And then it says, it'll come back to you. I, I like that. I, 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 you say, there's no way. That's not, how, that's not how casting your bread on the water works. That you're, you're just going to cast your bread out and, and, and throw it to the ducks. It's not coming back to you. It's not going around and then, and then coming right back to you. But I think what he's saying here is, and we think that way, I want to cast it away and I'll never see it again. Yeah, I, I want to either put it on the ships and go across the sea. I'll never see this money. If I give it away, if I'm generous, if I cast it away, I'm going to lose it forever. Nobody, it's not a good investment to to give money to the poor because they'll probably never pay you back. But he's saying here, give it away and it just might come back to you when you need it. When you least expect it. When you need it the most. When you've been sharing life and giving life and generous When you need it, it'll come back to you. That's what he's saying here. You give money to strangers, you think, I'll never see that again. And you shouldn't want to see it again. But just when something happens in your life and you need a little bit extra, there'll be a stranger come and give it right back to you. That's what he's saying. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This is just how things work. That the way, the way God blesses. If you live your life in a way that shares life, then God will take care of you when you need it. That's just what this is saying. The old saying is you you get out of life what you put into it. If we share and if we're generous, you never know when it might make its way back to you. I like that. When you're in need, when you have a car breakdown, it comes right back to you. Here comes floating somebody else's bread that they threw in the water. Wasn't your bread. That bread that I threw, the duck say, the, the, the bread that I threw out there, it's done gone. But... Somebody just might throw me some bread at some point. But that's not all. He doesn't just say in verse 1, be generous. He says in verse 2, be extra generous. I like this verse. It says, give a portion to seven. And seven is a a number of of perfection. It's the the height of generosity. It's like taking somebody to Robo's and getting them a cheeseburger. That's seven. That's perfection. I'm going to, you're hungry, let's go to Robo's, I'll get you a cheeseburger. That's generous. That's a good thing. And it says here, so you're going to give seven, but no, no, don't just stop at seven. Go all the way to eight, which is over the top, which is a jumbo cheeseburger, cheese sticks, and a milkshake. <laughs> That's what it's saying here. Take it over the top. Be extra generous in your life. Don't just hold on to it, but share life with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with strangers, with with enemies. You never know. And it says there at the end of verse 2, you never know what evil is going to come upon you on the earth. And you might need somebody to be extra generous to you. So don't just be generous. Go over the top in in being generous. And and I'm going to stop here and just just say a, a word of thanks. Because my family has been... Well served by the generosity of this church. Over and over and over, people have cast their bread onto my waters. And met my needs and taken care of my family and my children. And and then we saw it again today with an offering that we took up. And I won't go into details, but you guys just went over and above and beyond anything that I could have ever thought. 
and just cast your bread on the water and gave it to seven and gave it to eight and went above and beyond. And I believe that that generosity will come back to you at some point. I want my kids to learn that, that life isn't to be hoarded, it's to be shared. Life isn't to be saved, it's to be cast out. And that's what he's teaching us here. It shows that stingy, hoarding, greedy, closed-fisted people are some of the most miserable people in the world. But usually the most joyful people, the people who are truly living life, are the ones who are open-handedly sharing it with everybody around them. When you know that you've got a short window to live, there's no need for me to pile it all away in a barn somewhere. It's the opportunity for me to say, I'm not taking any of it with me, so I'm sharing everything that I have. That's what he's saying here. Share life. I had a friend tell me at the weight room the other day, old buddy of mine, he's an older man, and me and he was leaving the weight room 5.30 in the morning, and he looked at me and my friend in the weight room, and he said, go out and be a blessing to somebody in some way today. And I thought, that's the wisest thing I could have heard this morning. Go out and share my life and my blessings. And don't sit there and try to hoard it all. You're wasting your life if you're hoarding the things that God has given you. But when you share life, you're truly living life. So you say, how can we do that? (laughs) Make a meal for somebody. Give a ride to somebody. Watch somebody's kids. I I love these little applications. Build a ramp on somebody's house. Help somebody whose house just burnt down. Share the gospel with somebody. That, that's a good way. Share it with seven, share it with eight. They used to say, life is short, eat cake first. Solomon would say, life is short, share the cake with somebody else. And that's what he says here, share it. That, that's point number one, is that we ought to share life. If you don't want to waste your life, share your life. The happiest people on, on the earth is people who share their life with somebody else. And that you're sharing your life with people in the church. You're sharing your life with your friends, with your family, with the neighbors, with your community. That you're not just sitting there holding it all and being selfish with it, but you are open-handedly casting it and giving it to as many people as you can. Share life. Number two. This is my favorite point. Don't just share your life. Live your life. William Wallace and Braveheart said, not every man truly lives. So what does it mean to truly live? And I think he gives us a picture of that right here, starting in verse 3. He's going to share He's, he's told us to share our lives, and now he says, now you've got to truly live your life now. You've got to get out and live. What does it look like to live your life? I mean, you, just can't, you can't just say those words. You need to explain to us what that means. So I've got four sub-points for you here, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, that shows us what it means to truly live life. And, and, and let me give you the first one. Verse 3 would say, live life even when it's risky. Look what he says. This is is good. If the clouds be full of rain, they'll empty themselves on the earth, it says in verse 3. And if the tree falls to the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it's going to be. And these are all describing things that are risky, that are dangerous, that we need to be very careful about. That you're going to step outside your house and you're going to see that the clouds are full of rain and they might empty themselves on the earth. I mean, there's there's a gully washer on the way. So I better stay in the house and not go anywhere. It's too risky to get out. That's what he's, uh, a picture he's giving us. Or you look out and you say, that tree might fall. It could fall to the south. It could fall to the north. It's going to be right there. It might land on me. I'm not getting out of my house today. 
I'm scared to death. I want to wait till it's safe. I want to wait till I know there's no rain. I want to wait till I know there's, there's no tree that's going to fall on me. I want to wait till everything is perfectly safe before I get out of my house. And if that's the way you approach life, you're not really living. That's what it's saying here. Verses, watch this in verse 8. There's danger there of chapter 10. He that diggeth a pit might fall in it. So some people would say, just don't dig the pit. If, 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 if I might fall in the pit, I'll, I'll never dig a pit. What's this? Verse 9. Or, yeah, or, or uh, verse 8. Who, who breaks down a wall, a serpent might bite him. So I'll never break down a wall. If there's a possibility of a snake biting me, I'm never going to knock down a wall. Verse 9. Who, whoso removes a stone shall be hurt therewith. I'll never remove stones if one might fall on my foot. I'm just overly cautious, doing everything I can not to ever get myself hurt. I think looking back at the last year of COVID, this would describe a whole lot of people. I gotta wait until everything is 100% safe before I can do anything. He says, that's not how to live. That's not truly living. Life is full of risks. There's a minefield full of risks in life. There's maybes, there's possibilities, there's, there's ifs. I can give you all kinds of dangers. If you think about it, you know it's dangerous, risky to get on an airplane. I was thinking about that yesterday. Emma was talking about how we went to, to the airport and we, me and, me and mommy and daddy took off from the airport and we, we flew up into the air all the way to California. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that was dangerous. I got Steph and my daughter on an airplane. I don't know that pilot. The plane was a little bitty thing and, and I was sitting there like this leaving Tri-Cities and it was like taking off in a, in a church van. I mean, the, the thing was shaking. And, and when I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I mean, at the time I was like, this, this, this is so fun, you know. That's scary. You know, driving's scary. I'm driving around Gracie right now. It's scary. <laughs> I almost dropped a dumbbell on my foot exercising the other day. I better quit exercising. <laughs> Eating is dangerous. I remember giving Emma a little, little sucker when she was little. Top came off. She we had to do the Heimlich on her. Better not eat anymore. Watching Hallie right now. Me and Steph was trying to on the bed last night, trying to get her to to stay up. And I thought, if we took away all risks out of our baby's lives, they'd never even walk. I might fall down. Better not walk. I better not drive. I better not fly. I better not work out. I better not eat. I better not do anything. That's what he's saying. People who are like that will never truly live life. Life is full of risk and adventure. I'm not saying throw caution to the wind. But I am saying don't let caution paralyze you where you can't live. Safism is the fastest growing religion in the world. But show me one Christian in the entire Bible who lived so cautiously that they wouldn't do anything. There's not one. All lived lives, lives that were adventurous and bold and courageous. I read a story this week about a young man who was given a cancer diagnosis. And they asked him about it and he said, I'd rather die living than to live dying. That's what he's saying. Live life even when it's risky. 
even when it's dangerous. The second one he says here in verse 4, live life even when it's not ideal. <laughs> Look at this. Verse 4, he says, He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. And it goes along with verse 3, but this is not the ideal conditions. And it's talking about weather. And I don't know how they made it without weather men not getting the weather right back then. But he said they looked out the window and it said, well, today's going to be windy, so I better not sow. If I get my seed and I go outside and I throw it up and it's windy, it's not going to fall when I want it to fall. It's not ideal conditions. It'll just blow it away. So I better just sit in the house and, and do nothing at all. It's not ideal. Or if I look outside and say, oh, it's going to rain. There comes the gully washer. There's no way I can reap today. Just going to sit inside and watch Netflix all day. It's not ideal. It's not the, the, the circumstances that I want. So I'm just not going to do anything at all. They're waiting for the ideal time and the right moment. And they're sitting there wasting their lives. Waiting for ideal. Waiting for the perfect time. There'll never be a perfect time. How many wasted opportunities have you let slip by because it wasn't ideal? Because it wasn't perfect. Because you had a hangnail. All kinds of excuses to sit and wait and wait and wait and to never do what you wanted to do. Wasted opportunities come, turn into wasted lives. Where you're going to look back on your life and you're going to say, I wish I had of." That's why I tell Isaiah, <laughs> I tell Christian, don't live as I should have. Go and ask out the prettiest girl that you can find. You never know. She might say, yes, yeah, Steph did. Your mom did. I'm glad I didn't waste that opportunity by looking at Steph and saying, she'll never go out with me. And now's not right. No. I called her. Her dad answered. I hung up. <laughs> I waited for another chance. I called back when he wasn't around. <laughs> I heard that when I was 27 years old. Josh, you got two kids, a job. Stay in pound. It's not the right time for seminary. Where would I be? Wouldn't be here. I did, I did it again. You know, 38. I said, four kids this time. I'm going to get my doctorate. Now's not the ideal time. There's, there's times that I've taken it and there's times that I've missed it. But you're not truly living life if you're just sitting there holding back, waiting for the ideal time. You're going to sit there and look at your life at the end and say, I could have, I should have, I would have. So is there something you want to do? Don't wait for the ideal time. Don't look out and say, oh, it might rain today. Grab an umbrella and go do it. Seize the moment, it says. Carpe diem. Just do it, Nike would say. Go for it. Don't wait for the perfect time. Number five, or verse five. <laughs> he said, live life when it's risky. Live life when it's not ideal. Live life even when it's unknown. Verse five. Look what it says. As thou knowest not. You, you see that? I mean, he, he says there's something you don't know here. There's a lot of times that, that people... We'll wait till they know every detail of every situation before they ever do anything at all. And he's saying, you're going to live life and you're never going to know it all. And he gives us a, a list of things that we don't know. 
You don't know the wind. That's a spirit there. He's talking about the, the wind blowing. You don't know even the, the best weathermen. Johnny Wood. Dave Dirks. Can't predict the wind. So he says, you, you don't know when the wind is going to blow. It might blow here one day and here the next. It might blow that tree down one day and, and it'll fall to the north and it'll fall to the south the next day. You don't know that. And then it says, neither do you know how bones grow in the womb. I didn't know this, but scientists still don't know exactly how bones grow in the womb. Ask a scientist, ask a doctor, and they'd say, hmm, they don't know. Or weathermen don't know about the wind. He says, and, and what's this? Even you don't know the works of God who makes everything. There's a lot of things you don't know. So don't wait. And life is full of uncertainties and unknowns where there's no scripture for it and there's no crystal ball to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. Or one of those eight balls. Should I do this today? Ask again later. You don't have that in life. There's a lot of times that you just don't know what to do. And he says, you don't have to know it all in order to do something. Don't, don't wait till you know it all. You'll waste your life. Don't, don't let the unknown paralyze you. Don't let the unknown put you in a fetal position. Don't let the unknown get you to do nothing at all. Do something with the time that you have. I like this. Faith flourishes in the unknowns of life. When you have to take a step and you don't know where you're going to land, Hudson Taylor said this, and he was a great missionary, a mission, missionary to inland China, one of the first missionaries to go into China, and he went in there and, and he adapted his lifestyle to the way they lived, which is nobody had ever done that before. Instead of going in with a suit and tie like most preachers, he went in with a silk robe and a cool Chinese hat. Little bitty white dude in Chinese clothing went to China and was a missionary. And this is what he said. I even wrote it in my Bible. Without an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. That's good. Without there being a little bit of unknown, without there being a little bit of uncertainty, maybe even a big lot of uncertainty, there's no need for us to even express faith. There needs to be a little bit of that. Hebrews 11 is full of people who acted in faith, not really knowing what the outcome was going to be. But they did it anyway. Take a step of faith. Trust God. Even when life is uncertain. That's, that's good advice. So live life when it's risky. Live life when it's not ideal. Live life when it's unknown. Verse 6. Live life even when it's almost over. Some of you may be sitting there saying, oh, too late now. I've, I've not taken any risks and I've, I've wasted that. I've waited for the ideal and I've, I've wasted that. I, I, I've, I've not known things and it's, and it's, it's paralyzed me and I've, I've wasted things. But here he says, live life even when it's almost over. Look what it says in verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed. And you know what in the morning is? When you're young. When you're young and you've got a handful of seed and you, and you go out into the field and you're throwing the seed everywhere and, and, you're, and you're, you can throw it far and you can work for hours on end and you're young and you're just doing all this work and all this labor and giving everything that you have to it. Do it when you're young. Watch this. 
But in the evening, withhold not your hand. Keep doing it even into the dark time of your life. I like that. Do it when you're young and you're like my kids who are a ball of energy, 110% all the time. Do it when you're in the middle ages like I am. Keep working. Don't, don't stop just because you're getting older. And then even as you get older, just keep on going. As you get into your, your twilight years, in the, in the evening of your life, and they'll tell you, slow down, retire, move to Florida. You know, just, 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 just rest. It's time for a rocking chair. Put your feet up. Put a blanket over your legs. Don't do anything. You might break a hip. All these risky things. You're too old to do anything. Who was it? George Jones that said, I, I don't need no rocking chair. Put that in your quote book. <laughs> Brandon likes to, quote, to write down my weird quotes that I use in sermons. He might sell a book and we, we might get a little, he might share, cast some of that bread on the water. Don't stop. You might slow down a little bit just because you're getting older, but that's no time to stop. Don't get old, get grumpy, and die. <laughs> Keep going. It says here, watch this. The psalmist says, don't do that. Don't stop. Keep going. Sometimes your best years are your later years. Look what he says. You don't know. Here's another you don't know. For thou knowest not whether you shall prosper either this, which is the morning, or that. You might have your best years at your young years. You might have your best years at your later years. And he even says, or whether they both shall be good alike. In that you could, you could have good in your young years, and that'll be okay. Or good in your older years, that'll be okay. Or you could have good fruit in, in, in both. But don't let just because you've gotten older stop you, slow you down, and keep you from living the life that God has given you. The first 40 years aren't, aren't we know they're a gift from God, but you know what? The next 40 years are just as much a gift from God as the first 40 years. And you don't slow down. You might retire, but that don't mean you need to sit at the house and do nothing. My dad retired, said he works harder now for my mom than he ever did for the prison. <laughs> keep working. Keep laboring. Keep at it. Don't, don't, don't stop. It's never too late. Don't go to the nursing home yet. Don't, don't waste the end. You know how old Moses was when he first got started? You better be listening to Johnny in Sunday school. 80 years old. You know how old Abraham was? 100. Him and Sarah had babies in their 80s. I'm not saying do that. But keep it up. Don't slow down. One of my favorite things used to do when I was growing up was sit and watch Willard Scott and the birthdays and on the Today Show. I used to love seeing that Smucker's birthdays. Mmm, it's so good. And they, they'd put these people up there and it'd be, they, you, know, you know, Luis is 125 years old. <laughs> you know, Harold's 117. And you're sitting there and he, and, he, and he gives a little paragraph about each one of these people. And, they, and, they'll, and every one of them says, and he's still gardening. And she's still cooking every day. And they're still. And they're still. And they stayed active. And they, they didn't stop. And I'm sitting there watching that and, and hearing that. And I say, I'm, I think I need to keep going. Keep working. And I was just like 20 then. I don't know if they still do that or not. Keep on even in your later years. Even when it's almost over. 
My papa was weed-eating the bank of his house one month before he died. And when I say weed-eating the bank of his house, I mean he took a rope and tied himself to a tree and leaned over the bank. Eighty-some years old. And I think even on his deathbed, he, was, he, would, he would have went out and, and done some more weed-eating if they'd have let him. He didn't stop until they couldn't do it anymore. Teddy Roosevelt said it's better to wear out than to rust out. And Solomon's saying that. Here he is in his old age talking to a bunch of young people and he's saying even at the end of your life when it's almost over, don't stop living. So he says here, I've given you four. Four ways to truly live life. When it's risky, when it's not ideal, when it's unknown, and when it's almost over. Keep living your life. And I think that's valuable, valuable, wise words from Solomon. So we've seen now, share your life, live your life, and I'll close with enjoy your life. This is good. Verse 7 and 8, he tells us to enjoy life. And I need to hear this and you need to hear this. I want my kids that when they grow up they say, my dad was fun to be around. I want that. I want for when I grow old for you guys, when you're talking about the preacher, for you to say, man, he was a, he enjoyed preaching. He enjoyed church. He had fun. He wasn't some sour, you know, somber guy. He was serious when he needed to be serious, but boy, was he fun. He could take the, the, the strangest passage in Ecclesiastes and make it fun. Make it enjoyable. That we, we wanted to hear this. I mean, he could take a, I want people to say that about it. I want my kids to say, he could take a, a sitting down and, and drinking a black cup of coffee and turn it into the funnest thing in the world. I want my kids to say, dad enjoyed life. He, he enjoyed every bit of it. He enjoyed the baby kisses and boy do I enjoy the baby kisses. Man alive. Hallie is awesome, you know. She's at an age now where her baby kisses are a mouth wide open full of slobber. And boy, I take them all over the face, you know. Enjoy it. Eat it up. Boy, I love watching my little Emma Kate skip through the house. I mean, she, I'll say, Emma, go get me something. And that hair just flows back and forth. She just skips through the house. And I sit there. And we just have a good time with it. And you know what old Josh does? You'll never guess. I get up and skip with her. Just skip through the house with him, you know. Just <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, but I enjoy life. <laughs> I love Gracie Bell's cookies. I mean, Gracie will we'll get home, even probably tonight. She'll say, "Dad, let's make some cookies and watch a TV show." I'm like, you know what? That's the funnest thing we can do tonight. Let's do it. I love it when Steph looks at me. <laughs> Smiling face. She looked at me the other night. Don't you tell her I said this. <laughs> and she said, am I getting any wrinkles? <laughs> just, just squeezing that face together. And I, you know, I, I just looked at her. and I said, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And we just laughed and we just had a good time. Enjoy life. Enjoy. And, and you say, how, how do you enjoy it? Watch this. I, I don't even know why I got into that stuff. 
I enjoy, I, I, didn't, I didn't hit Christian, did I? I enjoy playing wiffle ball with Christian. And we, we have such a good time. I mean, Jim and, and Roger came by the house yesterday. We were out there playing wiffle ball. You know, Christian trying to strike me out. He gets mad at me and he'll, he'll hit me with it, you know, pelt me on the side. I charge the mound, you know. <laughs> Just enjoy life. Have fun with it. Notice what he says. Truly the light is, is sweet. You see that? I underlined is. And you can see there a couple, I mean, even in verse 9 he says rejoice. He, he's ending this by saying enjoy it, what you have. Truly the light is sweet and pleasant thing it, it is for the eyes. So there in verse 7 he's telling you it is sweet. It is for the eyes. You say, what does that mean? He's telling us, Today is the time to enjoy life. Right now when the sun comes up, it's a good time to enjoy life. Don't wait this moment. Don't wait to enjoy life. I hear that way too much. The people during their work week, I can't wait for the weekend. I'm miserable Monday through Friday. But boy, Saturday's coming and I'll be happy. No, enjoy the work week. Enjoy this day that God has given you because you don't know if you'll have the next day. Don't wait till the weekend. Don't wait till, boy, I'm going to suffer through it, but I get a week of vacation in the summer and I'll enjoy the beach. No, enjoy all year long. Enjoy it all. Don't wait till vacation. You have some single, I'll, I'll enjoy life when I get married. Don't wait. Enjoy the season you're in now. Don't wait till you have kids to enjoy it. Don't wait till the, the kids get older to enjoy it. Don't wait till the kids move out and you're retired to enjoy it. Don't wait. Enjoy it right now. When the sun comes up tomorrow, say, I will enjoy today. And then he goes on to say, enjoy the sunny days. He says, that enjoy the light. Behold the sun. He's talking here not just about today. But he's talking about the good days in life. When the sun shines on us. When all is well. When it seems like God is smiling on us. When everything is okay. When everything is sweet. Enjoy it. When there's no COVID. When there's no masks. Enjoy it. When everybody's healthy. Enjoy it. When your kids are right there in your house. And they're not out on their own. Enjoy that. Enjoy the good days. Enjoy the, the times when it seems like God is being extra overly gracious to you. Stop in that moment and enjoy it. And, and bask in it like it's the sun shining down on your face. And just enjoy the day and the time that God has given you. Those good days. Stop and smell the flowers. Let the sun hit your face. Enjoy the, the sunny days. Because it won't be long until the dark days come. You see that? Enjoy verse 7, the sunny days. Verse 8, but if a man live many years and rejoices in them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for there's going to be many of those too. You see that? He's going from remember or rejoice in and enjoy today. Rejoice in the good days. And now he says, Rejoice in even the bad days. Do you understand that? Even when life is sour, when the clouds are dark, when the rains are falling, when God seems to frown upon you and to be far away from you, when everything isn't okay, He says enjoy that as a gift from God too. 
They're all a gift from God. Every day that you have breath in your lungs is a gift from God. Today is, the good days are, and even the bad days when things are not ideal and not the way you want them to be. It is a precious gift from God that he's given you breath in your lungs. Enjoy that day too. I even wrote down here on my notes, that's hard. And I know it. But we need to see every day. And that's what he adds there at the, in verse 8. Let him rejoice in them all. Every day that God has given you. Rejoice in it all. This day, the good days, the bad days, every day. Rejoice in every single day God's given you. Because every single day is a gift from God. When you realize how short your window is in life, you know every day is a gift from God. When you realize that you don't have days left or weeks left or months left or years left, every day is a gift from God. And we need to enjoy every one of them. Sing the songs of life. You understand that? If you were given a bad diagnosis tomorrow that you only had days to live, you'd sing songs a little bit different. You'd enjoy the, the, just the songs of life. You'd eat a little bit different. You, you might eat dessert before you eat dinner. You, you might enjoy it. You might, you might let, you know, eat the dessert and, and leave a little bit of it on your face and not even worry about it and go outside with it. You might en- enjoy the people a little bit more that God has placed around you because you'd begin to see that all that is a gift from God. And it's passing by so fast, and it'll be gone before you know it. So enjoy it all. And let me ask you this before I close. Because he says that at the end, all that, all that comes is vanity, which means vanity, which means it's here today and gone tomorrow. It'll be gone like that. So enjoy it all. So let me ask you this. Do you enjoy life? Would people say that you are a fun person to be around? Would, would your kids say, I love being around mom or around dad? Would your grandkids say, I want to go to Mama and Papa's house because it's so fun there? My kids do. Sometimes I think I'm not fun enough because I just, I want to go. I want to go to town. We have fun here. I'll skip with you. I think we as Christians ought to lead the world in enjoying life. Again, people ought to say, yeah, we're serious when we need to be serious. But people ought to want to be around us because we're so fun and we enjoy life. That you make the ordinary extraordinary. And you make the simple, everyday, mundane life enjoyable. God forgive us for living miserable lives for being poor representatives of who Christ is. I don't think for a second Jesus was a miserable person. I think he lived life, and he lived life more abundant. And that's what he wants us to live. So what do we do with this? And I'll close. I think that we ought to be, as a church and as Christians, we ought to be resolved. Uh, Like Jonathan Edwards, who I talk about a lot, he was resolved. He, at a young age, at 19 years old, wrote down 70 resolutions for how he's going to live his life, and they became guardrails to keep him going in the right direction. 
And he wrote these things as resolved so that he wouldn't waste his life. And he didn't waste a single day of his life. I want to read to you two of his resolutions. Number five of his resolutions said, Resolved, never to lose one moment of time. Number six, resolved, to live with all my might while I do live. And I love that word, resolved. I'm going to do this. And I think that's what we all need. We all need a little bit of resolve that when we hear sermons like this where He's telling us how not to waste our lives, how to get the most out of it so that we live life and, and live it abundantly, that we say, okay, tonight, tonight, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be resolved that I will not lose one moment of time. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and live like this is a gift from God. And I'm going to go all out living my life, letting nothing hold me back, getting everything I can out of it while I can. I'm going to share my life. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to not waste my life. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I want you to do that tomorrow. I will not waste a single moment of this life that God has given me. Resolve to live with all my might while I live. To give it all that I had. And Jonathan Edwards did that. He lived full tilt all the time. And he died at like 58. You say, Josh, he wore himself out. No, he lived every day like it was his last. And it is known that Jonathan Edwards was the greatest preacher America's ever produced. Was the greatest intellect that America's ever produced. And this is from secular colleges. Nobody had a mind like Jonathan Edwards. He preached the greatest sermon that's ever been preached on American soul. He wrote one of the greatest books that's ever been written. From American soul. One of the greatest authors that ever came from, from America. Was the greatest philosopher that America's ever produced. And you can go over and over and over all these things that he did. And you say, wonder why all these things fell in line with one man. Again, the greatest preacher, the greatest sermon, the greatest author, the greatest book, the greatest philosopher, the greatest intellect. All these things fell on one man. How can that be? And the answer is, he resolved not to waste one second of his life. And he lived at full tilt the entire time. And that's what he became. And he didn't waste his life. So let's resolve to not waste our lives. I don't want to be a New Year's resolution person, but let's resolve tonight. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm going to share it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to enjoy it. That's for us as Christians. But what if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian? What do you do with this? Well, then I'm going to add the full quote from C.T. Studd's poem where he said, Only one life will too soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah. If you're here tonight, and I, I doubt there's anybody here that would sit through an Ecclesiastes sermon that's an unbeliever, but somebody could come across this a year from now and watch it on Facebook and they could, they could say, I, I, I'm, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not saved. I, I'm an unbeliever. And I'll say this. Don't waste your life. Give your life to Christ and then live your life for Christ. And in doing that, you will truly live life. And until you do that, you're going to waste it. You'll waste it. You'll be like the, the man in, in the New Testament parable that Jesus preached where he said he had all of, his, all of his things, his money, so much so that he said, I'm going to build bigger houses and bigger barns so that I can put it in it. So he did that. 
hoarded it all, had it all. And Jesus said, thou fool, don't you know that tonight your soul shall be required of you? That you had everything the world had to offer, but you missed Jesus. So don't waste your life. Give it to Jesus and live it for Jesus. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your word here. This is a, I, th- I thought it was a great passage. It was something that I needed to hear, something that I, I wanted to preach. That I, th- I, I want to preach it so that our people and, and my kids can hear this. I don't want anybody here to waste their life. I think that's the scariest thing in the world. As Piper said, nothing, fewer things make me tremble like the possibility of wasting my life. So God, help us to just think about that tonight. And may it help us to live our lives a little bit better. Take us just a step further to some things we haven't thought about before. Please help us not to waste our lives. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.